Good morning, Outlook family. It is good to see everyone this morning, whether you're with me here in the room or we're together online, I'm really glad to be together. And before we jump into God's Word, though, I do have some family news to share. Jim and Karenita Wulsifer have been our missionaries to Italy for over 50 years. Jim grew up in our church, as a matter of fact, and we have been blessed to joyfully support them, their entire ministry. In recent years, Jim has faced significant health challenges, and he and Karenita have been such shining examples of perseverance and joy amidst suffering. I got an email this morning from Karenita that Jim had just yesterday, as she put it, traded his crown of thorns for a crown of eternal life. Jim Wilsifer embodied more than just about anyone I've known Paul's words when he said, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. So we remain supportive of Karenita and their ministry, of course, and please join me in keeping her and her family, their family, in our prayers. I know that they tune in online every, nearly every week. It's one of the great reasons to have uh, online ministry is uh, for just reasons like that. And so, Karenita, if you're watching, we're here with you as your home church uh, from the other side of the globe. And in fact, let's just go ahead and stop right now and pray for them. Would you join me? Father, we thank you for uh, the example of a life well lived, poured out for you, lived for your mission, your ministry. Lord, we ask that you give comfort to Karenita, to, uh, to their whole family, God, that you'd bless them, Lord, with strength in this time uh, of loss, that you'd continue to keep them their buoyant selves as they, uh, they keep the joy of the Lord through the suffering that they've endured over the years. Lord, we ask that they would stir us, um, as th their example would stir us to our own joy and perseverance. And we ask, God, that they would know and that they would just know down to their toes that they're not alone, that you are with them, and that we're with them too. We pray your comfort for them. And now, God, as we open up your word, we pray that you would guide us, teach us by your Holy Spirit. Use this time, Lord. That's my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for praying with me. We are in a recurring series, which we're wrapping up a, a, the current iteration of this series Today, we've been exploring the intersection between our mental and emotional health and well-being and our spiritual life and discipleship to Jesus. And we've been discovering that there's a lot of truth that these areas have in common, and we're applying these truths from a biblical, holistic perspective. In these five weeks, we've been exploring the hope and healing Christ provides to us, even as we face some of life's most devastating and challenging maladies in our souls. Anger, depression, shame, addiction, and today, anxiety. I recently read a feature story about a woman who travels the world packing only a small carry-on bag. Her name is Brooke Schoenman. I didn't use all those extra things that I packed, she says she eventually realized. It was literally carry, the carrying of all those things that started to wear me down, she said. Referring to a particular trip, 
she referenced, uh, I felt like I had more mental bandwidth when moving between destinations as I didn't have to worry about my luggage. Worry and luggage and baggage are some pretty key words here in what we're going to end up talking about today. After receiving some positive feedback from a blog post about her minimalist approach to packing, she started teaching seminars uh, to others about how to do the same. People are very shocked, she says, at what they were able to achieve. Schoenman says minimal packing is partly down to a state of mind. It's not about what to pack or not to pack. It is actually a mindset of what you can do without. She says a lot of it is realizing that what your priorities are and being comfortable with less, which is really hard, she says, for some people to deal with. Now, it's not hard to see the parallels to what we're discussing today as we tackle the subject of anxiety. Anxiety is something we carry. The question is, how heavy a load can we bear? How heavy a load should we bear? Let's let some truth from God answer that for us. Because, let's face it, we are buckling under the pressure. Society certainly seems to be mental. The words mental health and crisis are so regularly spoken together and accurately so in today's world. Our kids often are, which breaks our hearts. And many of us aren't doing so great either, finding we're not handling ourselves very well. In terms of the areas we've been talking about, anger, shame, addiction, certainly today's topic, anxiety. It's its own pandemic. Now, this bears repeating. It's certainly been a theme throughout our series, but I want to wrap up by also making sure that we hear this once again. One of the biggest myths about faith and mental health is that if you are a Christian, you shouldn't ever struggle with anxiety or depression or other mental health challenges. And if you are struggling in that way, man, that means something is wrong with you, especially wrong with you or your faith. That is a myth, it is a lie, and we've been working hard to counter that, but if it's still got some roots in your own mind, I'm going to really invite you today to pull that wrong idea completely out by the roots. Friend, you can pray and be in the Word and still battle with rage or addiction or depression or shame or anxiety. Being a Christian doesn't mean not being human. And there is simply no living as a human being without facing anxiety. Now, to learn more about anxiety, I sat down with some of our outlookers who are also practicing mental health professionals. And so let's uh, keep going by hearing some of their wisdom. Take a look. Anxiety is not being nervous about a test. We all get nervous. Anxiety is more prolific than that. It really permeates a lot more than a situation. It's really being stuck in the past. Maybe I wish I would have done this. I really messed this up. Having shame and guilt about something in the past or the future. What's going to happen when? What if this happens? But it's really about getting 
out of what's happening right here and right now. And they're playing out the worst case scenario in their head so that they feel prepared. Any uncertainty can really increase anxiety. Anxiety is to worry causes irritability and you know some even sleep issues. It just really affects kind of like how you relate to the people around you and um, just kind of your overall surroundings. Oftentimes struggle with their relationships. They struggle with productivity. Um, they struggle with um, the timing. You know, is this going to happen to me now, later, today? Uh, the fear of you know, when am I going to experience this? You're missing out on the joys of life in the here and the now because you're worried about that past, or you're worried about the future. People may feel as though they just want everyone else to get their stuff together and be on their best behavior so that they feel safe and secure inside, which can lead to them controlling others. They tend to just kind of like waver between do I have control of a particular situation or event or do I not? and then that can create kind of like this isolating effect where they just aren't sure of themselves and they just ruminate on things over and over again. There's also a very physical component to it. People who have panic attacks who actually think that they're dying. Their heart races, they're sweating, their hands are sweaty, uh, they don't know what's happening, their mind is racing. Is my body heating up? Uh, am I struggling to breathe? Is my heart you know, just pounding? Do I feel lightheaded? Waking up in the morning, feeling anxious for no reason, or having problems sleeping throughout the night. Also, someone with anxiety is going to be trying to figure out what other people are thinking about them. Many thanks to Deanna and Jonathan and Michael and Tamara for sharing their wisdom with us. We'll hear more from them in a few minutes. Dealing with anxiety, like I said earlier, means you're human. And Jesus was too. Anxiety is not a sin. Jesus faced anxiety on his way to the cross. In Matthew 26, we read that he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow, to the point of death. Please uh, stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell down on his face and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Luke adds an extra bit of detail. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Anything that we would categorize as anxiety in our language today certainly would be applicable to the scene we're seeing here. And what we also see here in this most dramatic scene of what was, I have to believe, the moment of some of the most heightened anxiety in history, God incarnate, the Son of God, Facing death on the cross, a death he did not deserve. The, the heightened anxiety of that moment, we see two powerful principles taking place. I would summarize them this way. Share your anxiety with others and give your anxiety to God. Let me say a bit about the first and more about the second. Check this out. The Son of God did not want to pray alone. He had complete access to God. He's the Son of God Himself, God incarnate. And yet He grabbed Peter, James, and John and said, Come with me. 
while I pray. My soul is in anguish, he says. Think about that. The Son of God did not want to pray alone. He brought them with him. When we face any of the things that we've been talking about this series, certainly it's true of anxiety, we should not face it alone. Bring people with you. Way back in Proverbs, we're talking millennia ago, these words were written, anxious hearts are very heavy, but a word of encouragement does wonders. Think of packing light. Think of, think of the baggage that we sometimes want to carry. Think of the idea that we can pack light and what that means for us and how we achieve that. We achieve it many times through the encouragement of our brothers and sisters. Now in the New Testament, we read these words, share each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ, or you obey the law of Christ. That when we share each other's burdens, when your anxiety is shared with me and mine with you, then I'm no longer trying to carry that load all by myself. This second verse here that we have on the screen, share each other's burdens, is also translated carry or bear, right? You have a heavy load. Let me come underneath and help. I have one too. I invite your help that I would carry, bear, or share that burden with you. My pack is heavy, we may need to say. Anxieties are weighing me down. Jesus didn't keep himself from saying exactly that to Peter, James, and John. Come with me. I am overwhelmed. I cannot carry this alone. And friend, if anxiety is something that you have faced or are facing, you don't need to carry it alone either. Your family, your church family, is around you. Brothers and sisters in Jesus are provided to you by God. That's, that's God's design. When we say yes to Jesus, we say yes to his whole family. Your small group, and if you don't have one, talk to us. We would be happy to help you find a small group. People who will know you and support you, know you by name, and you'll get to know them, and you can fulfill exactly. You can obey the law of Christ by meeting and getting to know and love people with whom you can share your burdens and vice versa. We've seen this principle in every subject we've tackled. There's no coming out the other side of these challenges when we try to go it alone. And so I'm only going to spend these couple of minutes on this part of uh, the subject today, not because it's less important, but because we've been learning it again and again, and I want to spend our remaining time digging into the dynamic of anxiety and prayer. But let's not leave that behind. Don't forget it too quickly. We need each other as we move through these things. Now, prayer may feel like the Sunday school answer to this complex and heavy subject. You may have been tempted to roll your eyes a little bit, like, really? Okay, we're going to tackle this idea of anxiety, and you're just going to tell me that I just need to pray? Maybe that's you. Maybe that's how you feel as you hear those words. But listen, we're not interested in simplified answers, only true and useful ones. So let's hear more from our fellow outlookers, and then we'll dive into a couple of powerful passages on this subject. Let's go back to our fellow outlookers here for a moment.
Some of the causes of anxiety can be growing up in environments that are chaotic, critical, and so we want to feel as though we're safe and we try to create that safe space. But when other people don't act the way we want them to, it can create that need to get some control and feel panicky. People have certain expectations for their self-image, for how excellent they want to be at something. It could be a chemical imbalance or just like a negative view of self. It could be a biological thing, an uh, anti-anxiety medication. It might just be chemicals. Um, however, there are people, you know, who you, we can all think of in our life who are the worriers. Instead of enjoying what's happening, getting stuck and worrying about what could happen, worst case scenario. Um, family dynamics as a child really can play a part in that too. Families can model anxiety. There can be just an anxious family culture. And so we know, like, I just need to stay, I need to stay on alert because we, we notice other people doing that and that can lead to a lifelong habit. One of the main things um, that I think helps with anxiety is having certain outlets, um, finding things that you enjoy and making sure each day includes that. Experience failure and be okay with it and just know that you know the first time I do something isn't always gonna be the best. Um, you know, setting proper expectations and um, checking yourself, you know, and where you're at with your level of perfectionism. Things such as exercise, um, I've heard from my clients that the best thing to do during a panic attack is to do jumping jacks because you really start focusing on your breathing and your heart rate um, and that it takes your mind off of whatever it is you are thinking about. I generally tend to encourage them to promote any self-care habits that they might have. Mindfulness is a really kind of cool thing that we do. It's like just, just very deep breathing, recognize what is happening in the body. Allow the past to be in the past and understand we can't predict the future. So ways to do that is to ground ourselves in the moment, find out, okay, what am I sitting on right now? Do I feel that? Feeling the sense of our clothes, being able to feel our feet on the ground and wiggle our toes, paying attention to the sounds, the smells, everything that's going on right now. So I thought it, now would be a great time to go ahead and get up and do some jumping jacks. That is good advice, though. Uh, I do invite you to wiggle your toes throughout the rest of the sermon. Uh, and that, that is full of good advice. Those are very real things. Uh, getting out, getting moving, uh, br just breathing, relaxing, centering ourselves. Those are important things. Those are not anti-scriptural things. Those are human things, right? God made us as human beings. And this is the way... Uh, many things uh, like this come together. In fact, I think prayer actually invites us into that kind of centering. Uh, I want to take us first to Matthew chapter 6, these words of Jesus, where he says, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes. Now, we could stop right there and be like, oh, I don't really worry that much about what I'm going to eat or drink, right? We live in a, we live in a pretty um, convenient society, and chances are good you have the means. Not everyone does, but chances are good, if you're here with me this morning, you have the means to get lunch today. And this might not be the thing that is consuming you, but we can put all kinds of things in these blanks. Do not worry about your life, what you will something or something, or about your something, what you will something, right? 
There are all kinds of ways that we fill in those blanks, all kinds of things that consume our lives or our thoughts or create anxiety and worry within us. And Jesus says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes or whatever it is that we may be putting in those blanks for ourselves? Can any one of you, he says, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And of course, the answer is no. But worry and, and, and anxiety can subtract many hours from our lives in quantity and certainly much from our quality as well. Concern, concern is a normal thing that we all face. Concern generally focuses on specific challenges and often moves us to action. To be concerned about something it makes total sense. But when that concern turns to worry, read anxiety, worry generally focuses on what's beyond our control and often results in inaction. Worry and anxiety is a signal that it's time to pray. It's normal to be concerned about things. The world is tough. There's lots to be even concerned uh, about. But when that moves into worry and anxiety, which it will, which it will, remember, anxiety is not a sin. Anxiety is a human condition. Yet it's to live in anxiety, to be wrapped in anxiety, to be stuck in anxiety is not a state that God wants us in. It's not helpful. It's not healthy. It's not certainly part of the life that he calls us to. And so when we move from concern to worry and anxiety, it's time to pray. If something is big enough to worry about, it is big enough to pray about. And so what is Jesus doing here? He is giving us perspective. Let's go back to this passage in verse 31. He says, so don't worry about these things, saying, what shall we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. In other words, when we try to do life without God, then these thoughts will absolutely end up becoming the driver's of our lives. So you and I need not live as an unbeliever, although often we have days where it feels like we do. Is that only me? I hope not. But your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs, he says. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Lean on him, Jesus is saying. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Now that is practical, right? No nonsense advice, straight from the Son of God. I was visiting one of our small groups this week, and they're studying Psalm 23. Think of the words of that psalm, how it begins. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing, or I shall not be in want. There's a contentment in knowing that we live under the care and authority of God. He's our shepherd. He keeps his eye on us. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me. He's with me. He prepares a table before me. This is a, this is a description of what has always been God's aim for us human beings who want to live with him, resting in his provision, in his care, and casting off 
anxiety, and worry. So we turn to God. That is prayer, turning to God. And we seek Him, as Jesus puts it, in His kingdom. And we seek that first. We see Him in our situation. That's the kingdom. And we gain perspective. So whatever's going on in our life, we stop and we seek Him. And that brings peace. This is the second passage I want to bring to our attention. In Philippians 4, Paul famously writes, the Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, so we've heard Jesus say, do not worry. Easier said than done, right? Now we hear Paul say, don't be anxious about anything. And I'm I'm thinking to myself, what are you talking about? How am I ever supposed to do this? Not worry and not be anxious. Well, this is where we're, we're, we're hearing the exact advice we need to hear. Have you ever been told to do something or, or that's something that's good for you or it's the right thing to do? And it's not that you're going to get an A-plus on that every time, but it doesn't make it any less true. that The thing to always be aiming for, whether or not you always make it, is to not be anxious. The thing that you can be aiming for, even though you won't always quite make it, is, hey, don't worry, Right? These are the kinds of things we need to be reminded of because without those reminders, I will just fall back into anxiety and worry and my thought life will be un, you know, just kind of undisciplined in that way. So these are good words for us to hear, but we're not trying to make it um, some sort of easy, quick fix. Hey, just don't worry, right? Don't be anxious about anything. I'm not talking about applying a band-aid of religion on the gaping wound of our anxiety and the things that cause it. I don't think that the Scriptures are either. When Paul says, don't be anxious, remember that the Lord is near. Present your request to God. Let His peace fill you. He's talking about a very real dynamic. Talking about truly, imperfectly but wholeheartedly, and truly doing life with your Creator. It should make a difference, right? What did Jesus say? The minds of unbelievers are consumed with these things. But of course, those of us who've said yes to God, we are learning what it means to live life with God. And it makes a difference. And it definitely makes a difference when it comes to worry and anxiety. It doesn't take it away. But man, we have got a a dynamic there. We've got a way out of that worry and anxiety that unbelievers simply have not yet had the chance to discover. Sometimes there's serious healing that needs to take place in our lives that's, that's causing our anxiety. That is very, very real. It takes time and focused, ex, uh, focused effort, sometimes expert help. Absolutely. There are drivers to our anxieties. And the level that, uh, of it that we experience, we are wise to get underneath those, those drivers and figure them out. What is it in my upbringing? Or what is it in my family culture? Or what is it in my own heart and mind? What patterns have I created in my thought life? What are the things that are driving that anxiety? I need to get behind those. Jesus, help me do that. Show me what I need to see so that I don't keep living in this cycle of anxiety. Those are all very real things. And nothing we're talking about 
when I say, let's pray about it, or when you hear Paul say, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, none of that negates also this good healing work that Jesus provides, sometimes through some really smart and well-trained people to help us get the healing that we need. Jesus is good at using people to bring healing into our lives. None of these, these do not negate each other. This is what we're talking about, though, this morning, this idea of praying, of stopping, of sharing our anxieties with God. This is a very powerful cord or band of strength that runs through such efforts of focus and getting help. Man, you add this component of praying, of stopping, of considering under the light of Scripture what's going on in my heart and what's going on in my life and submitting that to God and asking God for His peace, you cannot just, mm, you cannot underestimate, or, or you can't underestimate, you cannot overstate the power that is there. When I pray, this is kind of, this is kind of a picture of me before and after I pray. When I pray, I stop overthinking I stop reading into things. This is what anxiety does. When I pray, I've realized I've got to stop sounding the alarm in my head. That, that thing, wah, 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 right? That's going off in my head. That something could, wrong could happen. Someone might get the wrong impression about this thing right over here. Or someone might make a decision and make things more difficult this way. They might do that. That might happen. Man, I've got to find the button to... To, to shut off that alarm. This is me before. This is me after. When I pray, I begin to share the load. Prayer and handing things over in prayer is how we step off the worry hamster wheel. Anyone ever feel like you're on that hamster wheel? Running real hard, going nowhere. When I pray, I gain perspective. Anxiety keeps us trapped, as we heard in the video in yesterday, fixated on tomorrow, but where we're living is now. When I pray, this is the biggest one, and you heard it in the video, when I pray, I relinquish control. And control often is the driver behind anxiety, whether we realize it or not. So here, here's what I found. Man, when anxiety comes at me, right, it just, it's big, it's loud, it's in my head, and it begins to take everything over. Our heart might begin to race. We begin to see things in certain ways, and then we act and usually overreact in certain ways. And what I found is, when I pray, what I move into is acceptance and assurance. No amount of anxiety will change the future or the past. I have to accept what is happening right now? I may not like it. It may not be good or right. I'm not saying that. It's not approval. But I must accept what is happening as the facts of the case. Peace is found in acceptance of imperfection and uncertainty in what's out of my control. See, often we feel responsibility and the need for control. We want to create certain outcomes, either in our lives or in the lives of others. Something in us is convincing us that the way then to control those outcomes is that not only is that the right thing to do, but the way to do it is to worry and obsess. Something, that, that something that's going on in us, man, that is exhausting 
It is draining, it is frustrating, and it is a lie. The lie that says, it's all up to me. I believe this lie on a regular basis. It's all up to me. Whether it's the life and quote-unquote success of this precious church, or it's uh, what's going on in my kids' lives, or you name it, all kinds of things, right? It's somehow all up to me. And if things didn't go a certain way, it's my fault, or I've done something wrong. Maybe you can relate. Some people make themselves the Lord of their lives so they can do whatever they want, right? That might be the first thing we think of when we think, yeah, we like to be the Lord of our own lives, right? So we can just make our own rules and do whatever we want. That's all, that happens. Others make themselves the Lord of their lives because they feel the pressure to be the Lord of making everything turn out well. I'm in charge. I must be in charge because it's up to me to make sure everything turns out okay. That, that verse about everything working out for the good, that's up to me. I'm God in that situation. I'm making myself God of my life. When I think I'm in control and it's up to me to make everything turn out for the good. And friend, that is anxiety. That is that is the very definition of an anxious life. But Psalm 94, written so long ago, reminds us of something so powerful. When my anxious thoughts multiply within me. And that's what they do, right? They multiply. One anxious thought leads to two more, leads to four more. Your comfort delights my soul. What do we, what's that famous prayer we pray at every Monday night when anyone who goes to CR, God grant me the serenity, let's celebrate recovery. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That passage in Philippians keeps going. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such Things. In other words, begin to steer your thoughts in a new direction. It's up to you to choose those thoughts. And God gives us tons of help in that. When anxiety was great within me, when anxiety is multiplying within me, your comfort comes to my soul. Choose your thoughts. Every week, we do exactly that when we take communion. I'd invite you to grab your bread and cup if you got one on the way in. Every week we do exactly this when we take communion. We choose our thoughts. We hit the reset button on those thoughts. We let Jesus find that silent button on the alarm that sometimes goes off in our head. We gain perspective and we relinquish control. The Apostle Peter, I think, said it really best when he said it this way. Cast all your anxiety on him. Because he cares for you. That's what we do each week in a very real sense. When we take the bread and we remember his body broken for us, we're receiving the gift of his grace and we're saying, you're in control, I'm not. You did for me what I could never do for myself. And I take all the worries and anxieties of my life and I put them back on the one who can handle them. You've proven that, Lord, by your love for us. Let's thank him for that and take the bread together. Every week when we take the bread and the cup, we are essentially saying, Lord, you're worthy of my whole life, including my anxieties. Anxiety is keeping our cares, right? Putting them a load, in a load on our back. Lots of baggage, lots of luggage. Anxiety is keeping them. The answer is casting them. 
Cast all your anxiety on Him. We know that He cares for us. He removed all doubt when He went to the cross. Let's take and drink together. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You that You love us so much. You care for us. You know us. You see us. You see the things that swirl and surround us and uh, occupy our minds and sometimes rob us of peace and sleep and, and even sometimes good quality relationships, the anxieties that sometimes consume us, Lord. Free us from that. Help us to see that you are ready to receive if we will only share those anxieties and cast them onto you. God, thanks for the gift of each other. Thanks for the uh, gift of your peace as we stop and share our load with you. Let us not be consumed with the things of this world and the things that bring us down. Lord, instead, consume us with you. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.